1: Good morning, everyone. You are listening to KEDC. This is Red Sea Roundup, and I am the host of the day, Pam Marvin. Thank you so much for joining me on this. I believe it's the feast day of Our Lady of Sorrows. I'm a big fan of the Blessed Mother, and um, I just really wanted to dive in a little deeper on what are the seven sorrows? So I was like, Dennis, do you know them? Because I didn't know them. (laughs) No I mean, I could name one of them off the top of my head. Just one. Could you name one?
2: Uh, not on pressure. Not, I, not under pressure, I can't. No.
1: <laughs> the only without
2: one... going straight to my uh, searcher, uh, you know, my Google. Oh, yeah, I or...
1: had to do that for sure. The only <laughs> one I could think of before I looked it up was um, encountering Christ in the temple. You know, when they found him. Like, so the loss of him, basically. I think that's right. Okay. So, you know, her heart was pierced. It was a prophesied by Simeon that it would be pierced too. So mm-hmm. that's the first one, the flight to Egypt. Okay. Which that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Having to leave. Yep. Um, the loss of Jesus. So that mind saying encountering, but it's the loss of Jesus mm-hmm. before they encountered him in the temple. And meeting on the way of the cross. Oh, do you remember that scene from The Passion of the Christ? Yes, I do. Oh, my gosh. Who doesn't?
2: I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yes. And she's like running to him. If you weren't crying before in the movie, oh you are crying gosh. there. gosh. And he's like bloodied and, and bracing that cross. And he looks at her and says, Mother. See,
2: yeah. I make all things new.
1: Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So beautiful. And you know, Dennis, today, let's just remember that that he does make all things new. That's so beautiful. And I was reminded in some of the Magnificat readings lately, too, that suffering is the ladder to heaven. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. all get our share, don't we? That's part of the, our yeah. existence.
2: I've had some lately. And for <laughs> sure. And it has made me somewhat new. So that's great. Yeah. yeah, I'm so
1: glad. Yeah, Thanks be to God. Yeah. So obviously the the crucifixion mm-hmm. as well. You know what to say about the passion? Because as I have actually been contemplated... The Blessed Mother, I think oftentimes about the extraordinary pain and suffering that she went through um, during this time. Like in some of her writings, not her writings, but some of basically it was um, Mary is seen through the mystics book Mm -hmm. um, that said by Raphael Brown that she could actually feel a lot of his pain and emotion in her body as he's going through this. But the Blessed Mother had peace in her heart. Among her tremendous sorrow. And I I love contemplating. That's like, how does she have peace in her heart when she's like going through this horror? I mean, literally a horror show. Yeah. You know what it is? Why she had peace in her heart. Why is that? She had perfect trust in the father's plan.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I could use some of that today.
2: Jesus, I trust in you. That's
1: right. Please increase my trust. So it was a crucifixion, and then he was taken down from the cross and was in her arms. So we all yeah. have that famous image of the Pieta. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Mm-hmm. Pieta? Sounds good to me. Okay, thanks. <laughs> that is here. He would the, be correcting well, me. We have to ask the Italian sisters <laughs> next door. Yeah. And yeah, what a moment. That, that's such a sorrowful moment. Yeah. That to me is... Other than her pierced heart, that moment is epitomizes a sorrowful mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, his burial is the other one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. That's there it. they are. Yeah. It's a Thank sorrowful you, mother, mother Mary. Thank you. Yes, of course, for being that example. And another fascinating thing that I've contemplated lately, too, you know, so oftentimes it's the, um, you know, my, my immaculate heart will be your refuge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to me, that's contemplating. The seven sorrows yes. and how she had peace. Yeah. Food for thought. But we have a very important guest today, we don't we? Do we have
2: someone on the line. His name is John Pachata. He's with Pro-Life Waco, and we're going to interview him for about five minutes to talk about some great events going on in the Waco area, which is K-Y-A-R listening area. So hold on. We're going to put John Pashada on the line. John, are you with us? I am with you. So John <laughs> Hi, I and and thank Pam, you, I think you may have talked before, maybe not but John. I think we have. This yes. is Pam. Pam, this is John. Yes,
0: and I and I all enjoy hearing your lovely voice many times on the radio. Oh. Well, thank right. you. So
2: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were talking to, to me, John.
0: You. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no. You know, but I'm a little bit apprehensive right now. Is Pam going to ask me some hard questions?
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> nah. Oh, really hard ones. Ones that you would oh, never have thought of yourself. <laughs> <Okay>.
0: <laughs> I, I've got my computer in front of me and I've set on Google. So, well,
2: <laughs> yeah, like she asked me, Dennis, do you know? Yeah. No. Oh,
1: <laughs> no. I was feeling
2: for you, Dennis. I That's was feeling okay. for you. That's okay. Okay,
1: so John, first, just remind our listeners your your role and what you're doing, and why we're even talking today about um, what we're talking about. So, what are we talking about? Okay,
0: well, I'm I'm the director of Pro Life Waco, and uh, we've been battling abortion for 25 years, and uh, we're still battling it. Mm -hmm. Some encouraging words, but uh, we uh, I like to say that our organization walks and chews gum. And we do a lot of different things. And uh, the focus today is that we are joining with pro-lifers and pro-life leaders all across the country for this National Day of Remembrance
1: for mm. Aborted Children. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, Waco, there's, there's 40 sites across the country where there is an actual aborted baby interred uh, at the location. And Waco is one of them. And wow. that's uh, Rachel's Park Memorial. Where there's the tomb of the unknown baby, wow! And uh, uh, and so we're going to be there on, on the Saturday morning. The weather is looking pretty good, and we're we're going to be under a tent, and we'll have chairs for people. And uh, so we're in this broad alliance across the country, Pro Life Action League uh, that John Joe Scheidler created. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the main organizer of this, and so. There's different things happen during the year where we try to kind of nationalize the event and have people uh, doing something on, on at the same time. So uh, we're going to be there, and I hope a lot of people from our viewing audience will, will be there, too. It's, uh, it's uh, 9 o'clock to 1030 uh, in, uh, Saturday morning at uh, Rachel's Park Memorial, and that address is uh, 4720. North Nineteenth Street.
1: Wonderful, and,
0: and that's uh, if You know, Waco. It's it's just right across uh, the street from McLennan Community College.
1: Wow. So you know, given you you're right in the midst of the pro-life movement, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on the Texas heartbeat law and how it's going to influence well, how, abortion right, in the I, area.
0: I'm I'm happy that today uh, this was a scheduled day of abortion in Waco, uh, which happens every other week on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, this is Wednesday. It was scheduled to be abortion day and there is no abortionists in Waco.
1: Wow. So,
0: Praise be God. So they're, they're shut. I, I call it a indefinite suspension. The last day that babies were killed in Waco was August 19th. Wow. So they, they've been in an indefinite suspension. I, I pray that this will be a long and a permanent suspension. But uh, it's, uh, it, it's a lift to know that uh, instead of 40, 50 babies dying this week in Waco, that, that's not going to happen. Mm. So our event on Saturday, we really have two themes. One is the acknowledgement and the honoring, the remembrance of aborted babies who have lost their lives, 20,000 of those, over 20,000 of those in Waco. Uh, over the years. And but then we're, we're also we always try to have a smile on our face as we, we battle this this difficult challenge. But we, we've got reasons to have a smile on our face and that that our abortion facility, <clears throat> like a lot of facilities across the state, uh, is closed. With a heartbeat, uh, with a heartbeat law, and thanks be to God, uh, I am, I'm really, I'm yeah, I'm uh, so thankful to God and uh, some legislators that took this initiative and people on the ground. I mean, I, I have been talking to a, the people uh, in the press in uh, France and and Washington D.C. Uh, this last week. I mean, it is red hot right now. Uh-huh.
1: And, uh huh. And
0: go so we're 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 in the kitchen.
1: Well it sounds very kitchen. exciting times in Waco. And and tell us about who's gonna be speaking at the Day of Remembrance. Well
0: our, our our lead speaker is the Reverend Clenard Childress, a pastor and a pro life leader in New Jersey who uh will be our lead speaker at the event. And he's tremendous and he's uh I like to say he's a uh, Pro life from the pulpit and the public square as well, and um, and he'll be a lead speaker. And then we're going to hear from uh, ministry leaders in in Waco of uh, our uh, leader for Forty Days for Lives, leader for Sidewalk Counseling, the abort uh, the I'm sorry, uh, the adoption center in Waco. Wonderful, the wonderful, wonderful. Care Net, yeah. uh uh CareNet pregnancy care, which they're really under the you know, pressure right now to meet the need. And I'll try to squeeze in a little time for somebody from ProVac Waco as well.
1: Okay. So let's, oh, go ahead.
0: When when, when it's over is the time for fellowship and breakfast tacos. Wonderful.
1: (laughs) So that's this Saturday
0: at Rachel's
1: Park Memorial. Yes. And the time again?
0: Nine o'clock. Till 1030 for the event.
1: Wonderful.
2: Thank you so much, John, for calling in. We really appreciate you giving this information and all the support you've given to Red Sea Radio. And we just are so happy to be able to support your mission because you've been doing this work a lot longer than Red Sea's been around. So thanks be to God for all your your, uh, work and your mission. John, thank you so much.
0: Thank you for all you do.
1: Thanks for having me on. Yes, thank you. God bless.
2: Well, you know what? I'd like to say the St. Joseph prayer real quick, if that's okay with you, Pam. And and we want to talk about the benefit too. Yeah. And that's going to lead right into it. So name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh, St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, we place in you all our interests and desires. Oh, St. Joseph, do assist us by your powerful intercession and obtain for us from your divine son, all special blessings through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So that, having engaged here below your heavenly power, we may offer our thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers, Amen. Amen. Even the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. So, go to Joseph is the name and the theme of our benefit dinners this year, Pam. Wow, love
1: it. We've love got it. We've got
2: Adam Minahan and David Niles coming in from the Catholic Man Show, All right. and they are, are on the air every Thursday at eleven o'clock on our network. We're so happy to have them come in and be the uh, speaker and MC at our event. My gosh, it's going to be a lot of fun. That
1: sounds so great. What day's event? When is uh, it and where is it? November
2: 11th and 12th. We're going to do back to back. Yeah, I know. We're we're going to ask St. Joseph to intercede for us. November 11th here in the Brazos Valley at the Brazos Center. Mm -hmm. Doors open at six o'clock for drinks and socializing. It's a Friday. It's a Thursday.
1: November 11th.
2: 11th is a Thursday. And then the Friday event is the next day because Friday comes after Thursday (laughs) and that's going to be November 12th at the Knights of Columbus hall in West Mm on Jerry Moshek drive. And that's going to be for our KYAR listening audience up there. And so we're actually, we're pushing about half capacity already, which is crazy, crazy filling up this far out, uh, two months away. But we wanted to just invite y'all to come for great food, great fellowship, great drinks, we're going to have uh, beverage services, adult beverages services, at both locations again this year. We've had that for several years, and you know, go to Joseph for all your needs here in the year of Saint Joseph, and it is going to be a rip roaring good time.
1: That sounds really great.
2: Yeah, so we. Those hope guys to have are
1: really fun to listen to. When do they air on? Uh,
2: Eleven o'clock on Thursdays. On Thursdays, yeah, and they're they're they always talk about a manly drink, and they <laughs> they they. they Toast to Jesus with probably a bourbon typically. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a manly gear, some sort of tool that they use to, to increase their spirituality, even if it's a flamethrower, you know.
1: So the ladies would really rather be outnumbered at this benefit you know, if possible. But
2: I mean, the show, my wife, you know, she can it's, do without the manly it. drink part, but yeah. she goes into the manly tool and the, and the manly topic. She's like, yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. I, c- I can listen to that. So, you know, it's not just the man show for men, it's for anybody. And uh-huh. and I think anyone that attends our benefit dinner will love love the time that they have there and that's one thing that people do is they we pride on uh, they 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 do say we have a great and a very fun benefit um so we really hope to to I stack wouldn't the miss house it.
1: If I didn't have to. Yeah.
2: So don't don't miss it, folks. We really hope to have you there. And so go to the website we've got for more a info. Great guest coming up. Do you want to say briefly in about ten seconds yes. who that guest is?
1: I have Kelsey Johnson on from Abide Counseling just across the street from St. Mary's Center. Looking so forward to visiting with her. Please stay tuned and after the break, we'll dive right in.
2: Coming back at you for Red Sea Roundup. Red sea.
1: welcome oh.
2: you're jumping into the bumper music
1: i am well you said five four three i was like oh <laughs> where's the music
2: okay Ow. go go
1: okay. <laughs> welcome back to this edition of red sea roundup again i'm your host Pam Marvin. I'm joined in the studio today by Kelsey Johnson. Kelsey, welcome. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much. It's so great to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad that you could join us. Um, She and I got to briefly talk yesterday as to what do we want to talk about and why I asked her on. And I really, it's really been on my heart about how to navigate a lot of our interior emotions and um. what's another word like just the feelings emotions all of those things that we've been going through in this really crazy time I mean it's truly been a roller coaster so I invited her to come on and we're going to parse through that a bit but uh, before we do that I want to tell you a little bit more about her in case you don't know because I didn't so I wanted to know to get to know you better Kelsey so she graduated from AM in twenty fifteen with a bachelor's in psychology. So yes, an Aggie and minors in neuroscience and religious studies, which I love the neurosciences. I'd like to hear more about that too. And then she earned a master's in clinical mental health counseling from the Franciscan University in 2018, worked with Rejoice Counseling in Houston, serving in five different Catholic parishes. Wow. Yeah, we're busy. And speaking of busy, she's a wife and mother of two boys and one on the way. So congratulations. That's so exciting. Um, I'm just such a big proponent of families and beautiful, healthy families. It's like, it sings to my heart. So thank you again for coming today. Um, I guess the way I really wanted to, to start off is like in this year of so much turmoil and things there's just I feel like I have like this fire hose of things I could tell you and now I'm getting kind of stumped but Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about um, what happens when people come in with all these type of emotions like I want to leave our listeners so hang on till the end because at the end we're going to give you some real practical tools and tips for maybe navigating some anxiety and just some of those issues that we feel what we are dealing with every day, day in and day out. I mean, it just seems to be off the chart with anxiety and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, you've got, you're the expert. So I'm going to let you start talking about the kind of introduction to handling interior movements Mm -hmm. that are negative.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's an incredible topic and and I think is relevant in every season of life, relevant for every person, but we're really feeling it in a different way within these past year almost two years going on now, going on now of the pandemic. And we're recognizing that, wow, there's these things happening. There's these things that are affecting us interiorly that we may or may not necessarily have control over. I think we think of our, ourself, our feelings, our interior heart, thinking that those should be the things in my control, but there generally has not been a ton of emotional education for a lot of us. Um, especially growing up and things like that. And so it's not just this intuitive process of knowing what am I feeling? What do I do with those feelings? Thankfully, that's changing a lot now. There's a lot of great research and content on emotional education and things like that. But as far as when people come into my office, a lot of times that's the place where we start. Obviously, what's going on? What's bringing you in here? And a big thing that we're sorting through a lot of time is what is getting in the way of Fill in the blank. Maybe that's getting in the way of happiness, peace, thriving. But in a large large way, what's getting in the way of feeling your feelings and just accepting that I'm feeling anxious right now? I'm feeling really mad that there's a pandemic going on, because that's a, a huge piece of our struggle. Is just that fight of I don't want to feel this way. I'm not mm-hmm. going to accept this feeling and getting stuck in that place.
1: Right? You know, I imagine that personal temperament um, really plays a big part. all of that. So I do want to make sure we're kind of hitting on some of those and, you know, like someone who's very outgoing or sensitive, let's say the sensitive or the insensitive. I like to kind of break it down. Honestly, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I am really big on kind of this root sin of someone who's really prone to pride or someone who's really prone to sensuality or someone who's really prone to vanity. Okay. So in those kind of those three approaches, we all process things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of in that mindset, you know, how you would approach it because you have to get to know your your patients mm-hmm. to that extent to be able to know what's going to resonate with them because like what resonates with me doesn't resonate at all with someone who struggles with pride, right? right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, go yeah. from there. Yeah,
3: so it really goes into that, that question again of what's getting in the way. For a more outgoing person, it's obviously unique from person to person, but generally I'll find that that's where a lot of times the acceptance piece is so difficult. An outgoing person that is really used to being able to present themselves in a certain way and have a certain degree of control over how they appear, how they feel, how they look on the outside. And so when they start to experience a lot of that negativity or anxiety or just negative feelings on the inside— it becomes very incongruent with who they want to be on the outside and then they don't know what to do with that. And so a lot of times accepting that that's how they feel and that it may change that outgoing personality they're used to that kind of thing for a more sensitive, melancholic person, there may be a more tendency there to dwell in those depressed feelings. And so there may be, difficulty moving through the sadness and things like that. It's a gift to be able to just acknowledge that sadness and embrace it and be with yourself there, but also um, being able to invite Jesus into those places and bring healing and get out the other side. Sometimes we get stuck in that place.
1: Mm, we sure do. But Dennis, you never get stuck. Do you?
2: No. <laughs> just when you ask me questions on the air that I
1: don't know I don't, the like, answer okay. to. I try to wake him up over there make sure that you're listening. <laughs> Yes, I do. Yeah, I think we all do. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's again another reason I wanted to, is because, um, you know, I'm sailing into 2020. Like I am so full of joy. I love life. God has given me so much. I'm so grateful for what he's got given me. And I remember it's so funny. You can listen to when we were about to go into shutdown uh, on my radio show. I was like, Oh my gosh, God is challenging us. And we have to rise to the occasion. This is going to be so exciting and we can do this. And then I got COVID. Like, pretty quick. I mean, I got it at the end of June and I'm like crying. She like, had COVID
2: oh. when COVID wasn't cool.
1: <laughs> that is this like, like, now people go, let's just get it over with it. we're going to get it. But back then it was like, you have leprosy? <laughs> and that was a struggle too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just and I just cratered at that point mm-hmm. and it sapped a lot of joy, I guess. And the whole year has mm-hmm. sapped a
3: lot of joy at a lot of people.
1: So I kind of want to like, how do we get our joy back? And mm. is it okay not to be joyful?
3: Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And you mentioned within their gratitude. I think sometimes that that gratitude comes in and we see gratitude as this great thing, which it really is. But we also run up against, again, these barriers, these things like in the way that make us feel like I just have to get the joy back. I just have to be grateful that, that I don't have COVID or grateful that I haven't, it hasn't been worse for me in the shutdowns and, and getting sick and all these different things. And a lot of times if we try to force gratitude, it feels a lot like shame. And that's never a good feeling. So gratitude's helpful, but only if we're actually acknowledging the extent of the feelings that are there as well. The grief of everything we've lost in this past year, year and a half, and all those real feelings there. And so being okay with the fact that we may not feel happy all the time. And joy is different than happiness. Happiness is a feeling that's going to come and go. Joy is something that is more long lasting, but it's also something that we have to choose and we have to embrace in our present day. It's not something that we're just going to be able to have across the board all the time. Yeah. And so that is one thing gratitude is good for because we that unpacks joy for us being able to appreciate what we do have. But again, that can't be without also acknowledging the real feelings that are present in these struggles.
1: Right. Like with someone like me you starts to beat yourself up because like, mm-hmm. man, my joy is gone. What am I doing wrong, you right. know? Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Yeah, and we tell ourselves that a lot. Um, I think especially just in some of the message we get from just Christianity in general of if I'm not happy, if I'm not joyful, I'm doing something wrong. When really it kind of means we're probably doing something right because we're paying mm-hmm. attention to our heart and the way it's being moved. And we're not called to be happy all of the time. It's these struggles and these pains and allowing ourselves to sit in these difficult places that really produces a lot of the fruit and the goodness in our life.
1: Right. Isn't that's why, you know, I, we, we have to talk about this on our lady of sorrows day, which is, I love the document by JP two, which was on human suffering, Mm -hmm. like the redemptive suffering, um, because that's all a part of it too. So I Mm -hmm. think that really plays into what we should be thinking about as well but I don't know about you, but I've got redemptive suffering fatigue. Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been, oh, okay, Lord, mm-hmm. can we get me on the outside of it? Um, but personally, one thing that I need to be reminded of that was a brand new concept to me only a year ago is that sometimes we have to rest in the uncomfortableness.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting in that discomfort. And I think within that, we're, we're faced with kind of this um this question of what are we meant for what is this life for and it's not to suffer but it's also not to be happy it's really for holiness and it's i think really about learning to trust god as so perfectly as we can which of course you know perfection will not exist on this side of heaven but it's how we relate to god in those moments how we trust god in those moments and being honest about where we're at in that struggle a lot of times we struggle with trusting God, and a lot of times we don't want to acknowledge that, that it's really difficult to trust that God's taking care of all these things. So it's important just to be present to ourselves and acknowledging wherever we're at in that process.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, that reminds me, last night I had the, the, the honor of being at the confirmation classes for RCA they have here. Um, And I was listening to Sister Kaylin just talk about original sin. So this kind of really goes in that direction because before original sin entered into the human heart, uh, we had perfect trust, much like the Blessed Mother, who Mm. I mentioned in the the opening of the show. Um, But to learn that this is part of our human experience and, oh, happy fall, that we need a Redeemer, right?
3: Mm, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, And. Again, even in that, being able to see that it's in that struggle of the fall, where of course we wish that wouldn't have happened. We could still be in the garden and have perfect trust. But because of that fall, we were be we we're able to now have an even deeper relationship with God as his adopted sons and daughters into and the goodness that comes from those struggles.
1: That's a beautiful way to put it. I haven't heard put that way quite before. Is because now we are adopted in that way and just being cared for and loved. That's really beautiful. Um, So let's see. I wanted really to parse into that one as well. Um, But what are some like more mm, common issues you would say that we're dealing with today that maybe I'm not aware of? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I think that um, right now in particular, obviously with the pandemic, it's given a lot of... um, a lot of issues we would see commonly just all the time. It's giving them sort of a different twist <laughs> per se. Okay. I would say at least 90% of the people in my office are struggling with some version of anxiety and um, a lot of that related to current state of the world and just all the variations of struggle that that brings, whether it's fear of getting sick or just not being able to predict, you know, what's going to happen. Things are always changing. Um, a lot of interesting things, especially with college students who um, you know, for a lot of, you know, especially freshmen and sophomores didn't get that just beginning college experience and now restarting and going back on campus. And a lot of people who are honestly sort of comfortable doing online learning and things like that and now faced with, oh, man, we have to be back in crowds, back around all these people. And um, just really adapting to the, the current changes in life and adapting to all those changes. I've seen a lot of OCD either arising from this fear of getting sick, fear of getting others sick, or at least taking on a more um, severe nature in the midst of the pandemic. And so a lot of, a lot of I think, mental issues that were already there that are being exacerbated by the state of the world. Those are a lot of common things I'm seeing right now, along with depression is something that is really common for a lot of people and goes right in lo- along with what we're talking about because depression comes up whenever we are stuffing down our feelings. Mm. We're depressing all these feelings going on. So we get this a lot of symptoms that come with depression. And so with all these hard things, it's difficult to just stop and acknowledge our feelings and sit with them and um, give the feelings the attention that they need. And when we, don't, when we don't do that, we find a lot of depression coming up. So I see that as well.
1: Right. I mean, I, my own story is learning how to pour it out to Christ and the blessed mother um, in those times, instead of trying to keep it all and stuff it down. But I'd say one of the, the more, uh, the bigger challenge sometimes too is, as we've been walking this journey for a while and um we fall and stumble so greatly during this crazy time and we think, you know what? If I were a better person or if I were a holier person, I wouldn't be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a lie, I think.
3: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, the sense of I've done something wrong. There must be, you know, something wrong with me that I'm not handling it in the right way. And I think what contributes to that is the fear of sharing that with other people and what people are going to think if they know that I'm struggling with this thing, if they know I'm depressed or anxious, or um, if they know that I am just not able to handle things right now, maybe they'll think that I'm not holy or I'm not trusting God enough, or I don't have it all together. I'm not this picture of what they thought I was. And a lot of shame can get in there as well. Mm -hmm. And this fear that I'm, I'm not worth that, sense of connection with other people. I'm not worth sharing that. I'm not worth being loved in this place. And all of that, I think, creates that sense of isolation that we get, that fear of sharing our feelings, which then can translate into that depression of our feelings so that we're struggling with all all of this on our own and then can easily creep into our relationship with God as well. And then we don't want to share it with him Mm. and afraid of what he'll think or how he'll respond or maybe he doesn't feel like a safe place for us. And so an antidote to all that is vulnerability and connection and that sense of belonging and having that courage to share those places in our heart, share our struggles, share our feelings and what's going on and being able to have empathy from another person to say, yeah, I've been there too. I know what that feels like. I can understand where you're coming from and I still love you in this place.
1: And that just uh, feels like a a promotion for our podcast that is Spiritual Friendship, um, Shoulder to Shoulder, which we really talk about creating and nurturing those type of friendships where you can really talk about those vulnerabilities and, but do it more in the context of what Christ is wanting for you as well. Yeah. But you you know, something you mentioned, I want to dive in a little bit more too, um, which I don't think can be talked about enough in the context of our Lord and our Christianity, because we hear a lot about fear. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of fear um, and there's a lot of unhealthy fear. Now, is there, is there, is it such a thing to have a healthy amount of fear or can you just extrapolate on (laughs) kind of kind of break down fear a little bit more for me like okay this is normal this is not this is okay this is not that kind of thing
3: yeah we can think of fear on this sort of spectrum in a spectrum that involves things like stress and anxiety as well so we've got We've got with stress, it's a little different from fear, but it's basically the same sort of discomfort that comes when things are not going the way that I would want. We've got healthy stress that comes whenever we're trying to um, perform well on something that's really good. And then we've got distress, which is normal stress that comes up. Then we also have anxiety where we creep a little further along this spectrum where anxiety comes up whenever we are detecting a threat in our environment And that is the thing that's normal. That's the same thing that goes on with fear as well. We detect this threat in our environment. That's normal. We want our brain to do that. That's a very healthy thing. But anxiety will take that and basically blow it out of proportion. Okay. Overestimating the level of that threat. It would be like if there was a bug that flew up on our window right now and our brain thought it was Godzilla trying to break in the room kind of thing. It's just overestimating the threat to us. And so that... That fear, our mind is detecting that there is some threat to our world. So if we're talking about vulnerability and we're afraid of sharing ourselves, then there's a threat there. There's a threat to our social relationships, how we're perceived. There's a threat to our own heart and what we're sharing. We don't want to be hurt by someone not receiving us well. So that fear is generally always protective in nature. It's trying to protect us from some harm that comes. But it can get out of proportion if we're talking about anxiety Or it can be a fear that gets in the way of other benefits. A lot of times there's always some gift waiting for us wrapped within that fear. Well, break that down a little bit. What what does that mean? That's fascinating to me. (laughs) Yeah. So that fear, again, is trying to protect us, but it doesn't always evaluate, just in and of itself, doesn't evaluate, is the gift worth overcoming the fear? So that's where discernment comes into play in our own reason and logic that we need to be able to discern is the good that waits for me, is that going to outweigh the fear? So again, if we're talking about vulnerability, is the good of that connection and love and belonging worth the risk of sharing, the worth of being rejected or being judged or being criticized? Can I handle that right now if that were to happen? And is it worth the risk to to share and get that connection that I need? And some days that may not be worth the risk. If I'm feeling really down and depleted and I'm not going to be able to take Someone responding poorly yeah. to me, I may, that might not be the best thing for me that day, but on other days it may be a better thing. And so that sense of discernment is really important. And again, why our feelings are so important, why it's important to acknowledge them, because we don't want that discernment to be coming from those feelings. We don't want to be discerning from a place of fear or emotion, um, because That's not what feelings are for. They're not meant to point us to truth, but they are meant to tell us things about what's going on.
1: So if we're not Wait wait, a slow down, (laughs) I want you to say that line one more time. Yeah.
3: So our feelings are not meant to point us to truth. Our logic and our reason is what we're given to point us to truth and to discern. I like that. Yeah. And so if we're not taking that time to reflect on our feelings and understand what's going on then we don't have control over those feelings. So they may come out in other ways, and they may actually be guiding our decisions whether we realize it or not. And so that's whenever we tend to make decisions that we may not be as satisfied with, that they're coming from a place of fear or a place of sadness or a place of depression rather than a place of our just our logical judgment of thinking about what do I need, what do I want, what's God telling me in this moment, and all those things that play. Right, that, that, that
1: reminds me of the Ignatian. Um, time of desolation or Mm -hmm. consolation that we should never make decisions in times of desolation, which could be also described as a times where we're in a crisis, Mm -hmm. you know, upheaval, depression or fearfulness or anything like that. Right.
3: Yeah. To Mm
1: -hmm. slow down. And I find that lately that's kind of, we're there a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) in desolation. So to not make those big life changing Mm -hmm. kind of things.
3: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a, a, a unique struggle for, for us right now in this state of life, but also for people who struggle with things like depression, because there is that wisdom in not making decisions from that place of, of desolation, but sometimes we can't put off those decisions forever. We can't have gone through this whole pandemic without making a decision. Yeah. And so that integration of our emotions is what gives us that mental capacity to actually Make those decisions from a well-grounded place, even in the midst of feelings we may be have be having in the moment.
1: Okay. Can you like kind of be more specific about the difference between emotions and feelings?
3: Yeah. so emotions and feelings are are fairly interchangeable words. Um, emotions, um, I've heard comes from this this word, the the play of words of energy in motion. And so our our feelings are this energy in motion. All of our feelings are meant to really drive us to do something. They're trying to help us meet our needs in some way and tell us about something that's going on. And so when we talk about feelings, we can talk about physical feelings and we can talk about emotional feelings. Okay. So that's kind of the distinction there mm-hmm. where emotion describes the kind of feeling. Obviously, we have physical feelings like hunger and pain and thirst and all of that. And we have emotional feelings. And the reason why that word feeling is used is because we feel it in our body, both emotional and physical. We can feel those things present in our body in some way. There's this connection between right. the the mental feeling of it, the physical feeling of it. Our mind-body yeah, like connection.
1: Where the term gut-wrenching came from. Mm-hmm. That's a real thing for me. I'm mm-hmm. very sensitive to that. I mean, like really sensitive. Like whenever there's stress around me or in my life, it's the first thing, oh, my stomach, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, for sure. And, wow, okay. So um, along those same lines, so that's really, I think, so important. And I want to make sure that we, we also add, before we wrap up the show, um, so I'm going to write a little note on that too, mm-hmm. just the real practical tools for coping. I really want to get to that here in the next 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that, I think there's another thing that I really wanted to to bring up with you too that I think might have gotten really bad during this time. And it's people that maybe struggle with any kind of addiction, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's... Um, alcohol, food, pornography, anything like that. It seemed like those most likely are tools that they try to stuff their feelings or to distract themselves from what they're actually going through. Would you say Mm -hmm. that's pretty accurate? And and, and how can we encourage these Mm -hmm. folks, like, as an alternative? Like, I don't know.
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's something that's been a, a real struggle in this pandemic. For all those reasons that you said, and especially for people that struggle with these addictions and also live alone and they face this intense isolation that creates a ton of struggle. And addiction is is typically, we can see it as a coping mechanism for deeper struggles. And a lot of times it's a way for people to try to find some kind of relief from pain or trying to find some sense of happiness, things like that. So they, and So coping with deeper struggles they have going on or running away from deeper struggles they have going on. And so that is a struggle in and of itself. You add in the pandemic all the emotions that come with that, so more emotions that are trying to be coped with and a lot of healthier coping coping mechanisms that are not available in terms of getting to go see a friend or go get out of the house and things like that. So it's really a perfect storm for... A lot of struggle. So in terms of supporting people in their addiction, um, you can think of, you know, just things that counter all of that, that sense of connection, that sense of belonging, being able to just check up on those people that you know are struggling and I think there's a there's a real gift in being able to to be bold with our friends when we have that trusting relationship. A lot of times whenever we know someone has a struggle, a hardship in their life, whether it's something like addiction or depression, or it's something like they've lost someone recently, they've been through a big tragedy, a lot of times we'll leave it on them on their terms of when to talk about it. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's such a gift we give whenever we just give that permission, that invitation to say, hey, I remember you were struggling with this. If you want to talk about it, I'm here to listen. Because a lot of times those people that are struggling feel like they're the burden. And it, they, if they have the courage to share about it and open up with it once, it takes even more courage to share about it again and to say, hey, I want to talk about this again. And so us giving that invitation just to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to listen and to so encourage true. that vulnerability can be so helpful.
1: That's really you know, a lot about the spiritual friendships, which at the heart of it really says, you know, we want to be Christ for one another. You know, to really help us grow towards Him, and be that person. Because there may be some friendships, and I've experienced this in my own life, who they didn't really want to hear about my problems. Mm-hmm. They want to tell me about theirs, but they don't want to hear about mine. You know, that's not a true, true friendship. So we need to like really focus on developing those people that they're in it to win it. They're mm-hmm. you're both headed toward heaven that's your goal and you're sharing it and if you don't have friends in your lives my brothers and sisters i really encourage friends like that a spiritual friendship i really encourage you to just be on the lookout that for that and i ask you to to pray for that because the lord wants that for you too someone that will help to strengthen you along the way um wow there's just so much to unpack (laughs) So is there any more you can add to that one, or resources maybe for people who struggle with addiction? What would like I I do sometimes get um, requests for good marriage counselors, um, mm-hmm. good Christian marriage counselors, as we try to navigate that. Especially you know so much more a home time parenting, children are having more issues with anxiety than I've ever seen before too. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, yeah, just some some resources on that end of things is obviously. I'm going to be a proponent for counseling, so counseling could be really helpful. And we're actually really blessed. One when, when fruit of the pandemic has been that virtual services are so readily available now. So there's a lot of virtual counseling that makes it a lot more accessible for a lot of people. So definitely seeking that out. And support groups are really great for things like addiction, things like grief. Um, just finding that solidarity with people that have the similar struggles with you, especially whenever— you have a common ground of something like faith and you can find a faith-based support group that can be really helpful. A lot of those are offered virtually now as well. So that can be a really good option. Um, and like you said, you know, being able to just connect with the people in your life, praying for those friendships, we need community, whatever our struggle is, we need community and support. We're really not going to be able to do it on our own. So the more we can just have that community and support. Um, so we can think of that in all aspects of struggle and people that are struggling, like you said, with like parenting and kids, kids need community. They need support that. And that doesn't, and that can mean, um, you know, the adults in their life, having people they can openly talk to and feel supported by, feel loved by and be able to be vulnerable with just encouraging that sharing.
1: Right. You know, I, I don't think we can not talk about the physical aspect of um, the anxiety and the fear. Cause I've seen it also too, where just like, I look at a good friend of mine who is very, very, Together, like she's got a deep faith, a beautiful family, a good marriage, but yet she struggles terribly with anxiety, Um, a product of a physical problem. You know, we can't discount that sometimes, folks, these are real chemical, physical problems that Mm -hmm. we actually have. I think they are more prevalent today than they've ever been. I don't know. Do you know a history of this at all about like anxiety Mm -hmm. over the years and through time? Because it's it's epidemic now. And why
3: is that? Mm. Yeah, I think it's kind of a twofold thing. I think we do see especially anxiety and depression more so, but we also have so much more information and education on those things. So we know what to look for and we know... Um, how to describe the experiences people are having. So back 50 years ago, someone was coming in saying that they're worried all the time and having stomach pains and uh, ruminating thoughts, all these symptoms of anxiety, that might not have been called anxiety. So that's not going to be, you know, in the statistics of people with anxiety. Whereas nowadays, it's just a lot more known of what that is and so you also have people being more aware themselves that they're struggling with things like that where they know that this is actually a struggle I'm having this is something valid that I can get help for it's not just something I'm creating in my own mind so that is part of the prevalence we're seeing now it is on the rise for um, external factors as well things like being in a pandemic and distressors of the world but we are just recognizing it more and more because of the information that we have. So the, I know there is an
1: exterior, but there's got to be some interior things too.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. With, with most mental health issues, we've got a combination of causes that we could say there's a biological component to pretty much any mental health condition. There is the, um, the external factors of the stressors in life that we go through. So you can have, um, you can have a biological predisposition for anxiety basically means it's in your genes and You can have that and not experience any anxiety if you have the right combination of low stress in your life. Basically, there's not a lot of stressors that's bringing that out. But if you have this biological predisposition, you have a lot of stressors in your life, you're going to see the anxiety come out. And then you can have the opposite effect. You may not have a very strong biological predisposition, but you may have a ton of stressors in your life that's going to bring out anxiety. So then you'll see anxiety and then there's also just this component of mystery in the middle of all that sometimes mm. we don't know exactly is this is this biological is this a stressor um, and so we have to account for that as well that sometimes we just don't know exactly where this is coming from but a lot of times especially with the guidance of the holy spirit we can see the things that are contributing and the things that will help right so there's one that i know of i've discovered for myself and
1: then when i started going down that rabbit hole found that it's really chronically low and that is magnesium. It's a Mm -hmm. mineral that the magnesium is really low. We're not getting it in our diet Um, and even the foods that do have it have it in much lower quantities. So most naturopathic doctors will tell you everyone needs to be on a magnesium supplement Mm -hmm. and as you know, that's one of the calming type of yeah. of uh, minerals too. So mm-hmm. yeah, who knew, mm-hmm. you know, that it, it could be that diet is a big part of it. More yeah, uh, diet, how we eat. So taking care of yourself and exercising, which goes back to my neuroscience. Mm-hmm. I, I got to <laughs> ask you more about the neuroscience. <laughs> so tell me exactly what neuroscience is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So we can think of uh, like, <laughs> if you're thinking about just my, my background of training here, there's a different collection of things that play into Um, the study of our mental health and people that help with mental health so you've got psychology you've got neuroscience you've got different ways that you can study the brain and mental health so neuroscience is more the study of the neuro which would be your brain and neurons and so it's more of that biological perspective of how our brains are working and so with I have that paired with psychology background and counseling background so for me the neuroscience applies and how it affects our mental health. So how our actual brain processes are translating into our felt experiences and our emotions.
1: Okay. So how do we keep our brain healthy then? Mm. You should know
3: this one, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a big, important question. And so it goes into a lot of these different components we're talking about. A big one is that physical aspect of how we take care of ourselves, our diet and exercise, all of those kind of things. Um, And keeping ourselves healthy in those regards and, um, yeah, even things that that we don't think of, like, you know, looking into the things that we're lacking of. Um, Another thing they found in recent research is that protein deficiencies lead a lot to depression um, because of uh, things that play out in the neurons and things like that. And so there's a lot of a lot of good we can do for ourselves just in the way that we eat and taking care of ourselves and paying attention to how different foods affect us and things like that. And all the things we're talking about—processing our feelings, taking time to to evaluate ourselves, our needs, having social connection with people—those all do affect our brain. Our brain is obviously, you know, a physical piece of our body, but it's also affected by these other things that we do that maybe not have this, you know, complete physical component. They're affected by um, our mental health and just that interplay of the mind the mind-brain connection.
1: Right. Well, and I think we, you know, the other thing we haven't really mentioned that is a big stressor today on, um, so, and this is probably one of my biggest stressors is being on um, social media.
3: Mm. Yep. Like,
1: I'm not a super big social media person, but I, I my background, well, I, my degree from AM was in political science because I love current events. I've always liked current events. It's been a form of entertainment for me, but I can't do that so <laughs> much anymore. It's making me crazy where mm-hmm. I have to really kind of unplug from it, but then it's like, it's like the the bug to the light, you know, oh, i got to figure out what's going on. So it's very mm-hmm. difficult. I'm really drawn to like, well, what's going on? I want to be informed. My Catholic faith tells me to be informed, but sometimes i got to unplug. Mm-hmm. So there's the knowing yourself really well about those areas, too. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I imagine it's really affecting the brain more than we can ever imagine, especially in our young people.
3: Definitely. Yeah, we could talk all day about the effects of social media. But in particular, it can um whether we're realizing it or not have a lot of effects on our attention our ability to focus for me that's you know looked like I find myself on just scrolling on my phone more than it's really difficult when I try to show up to prayer and just to think and to focus and then I feel like I need this constant um just entertainment you know or something to for my mind to go to and focus on and so being able to just sit in silence and do something that isn't doesn't have those immediate effects like social media does can be really challenging and so it's important just to be vigilant of how that is affecting us.
1: Yeah it's so true to be very aware again folks just kind of know thyself mm-hmm. so what would you say were some tips for people who struggle like myself <laughs> with um, being on your social media so my big my fear is that one of my kids or my husband wants to, 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 to reach me by my phone and I'm not available for them and that's like I don't well, I want to be available for them, mm-hmm. but yet you start to have this like, oh, but uh, I want to look up something. This is just information, mm-hmm. a definition of a word, and then there you go down the
3: rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: let me check my telegram or
3: whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, one of the, the practical things with, with your phone is that it creates a lot of association. So just like you described, maybe I'm just going on to Google something, but... Then, you know, 10 seconds later, I found myself on Instagram and I didn't even realize I was there. And so the more we can be intentional about the use of our phone is important. So that may mean just taking a second to think about before I even pick up my phone, why am I picking up my phone? And then staying tuned in the whole time I'm there and not entering into this kind of mindless autopilot of of going into different things. That's some exercise
1: right there. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. And you can help yourself practically in that aspect of just the way you set up your phone. Maybe you don't keep certain apps, you know, at certain times of the day, you delete them and reload them back later when you want to go to that, when that's a better time for you, or you just put different apps next to each other or not next to each other. So it's it's not so easy just to go into that place. Mm-hmm. And I think especially whenever we're talking about the emotional connection there, if we find ourselves scrolling on like Facebook or Instagram because we want a, a boost in our mood or we want to feel happy recognizing that we're doing that and so recognizing what am I feeling even before I get on my phone why am I here what's my purpose is it cuz I want to go see what people are doing or I want just a break in for my brain great then let's do that but make sure it's intentional it's not right. just Okay, kids are crying, so let me just go, you know, tune out on my phone for a little bit. Or I'm stressed about something. I just don't want to think about it. Let me just, you know, get on my phone. That's what really causes the issue when it's just sort of this mindless, I'm not aware of what I'm doing kind of thing.
1: That's a really good tip. So with these last four minutes, can you believe it's gone by that fast? <laughs> it really has. I really want to go over some practical mm-hmm. tools for how to process fear. So I'll give you a scenario. I'm going to use me as an example. I'm going to tell myself. I have... An unusually horrible, out-of-control fear of being in the car when someone else is driving. Like, I know this is irrational. This is not normal. What are some tools? Mm -hmm. And maybe someone feels that way about the pandemic or getting ill when they go into, you know, the grocery store or things like that. Mm -hmm. What are some coping skills that we can do to calm ourselves down and calm our fear and get us back to baseline?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're definitely talking about situations here where we can't just ignore or avoid our triggers. You know, obviously you're going to be in the car with people at some point in your life. And so it's important to acknowledge with that, that how we overcome fear is facing our fear. So the more that we face our fear, the more we prove to ourselves that we are capable of facing our fear. So the opposite is true. The more we avoid our fear, the more we tell ourselves that we can't do this. We can't face this fear. So just that act of facing it, deciding I'm going to get in the car with this person, that's powerful. That's giving yourself this, it's reinforcing this belief that I'm capable of doing this. So as you get into that car, some practical things, firstly, it's just acknowledging that self-awareness of this is uncomfortable for me. This is something, this is the feelings coming up for me. Because I'd imagine if you don't acknowledge that, that may come out in maybe some anger, some backseat driving, some annoyance, passive aggressiveness, things like that. That's what we don't want. We want to be able to directly acknowledge our feelings so it doesn't come out in ways that we are not maybe happy with. So naming whatever that feeling is and getting as specific as we can. Maybe it's difficult in that moment to actually acknowledge, okay, I'm feeling anxious or stressed or the specific feeling. Maybe it's just, I'm feeling really bad about this or I'm feeling really negative or some big feeling is going on. That's enough. We can get specific um, in that later if we want to, but just acknowledging there's a feeling here. If we can name it, great. If we can't, that's okay too. So acknowledging that feeling is really important. And then giving ourselves permission and accepting that that feeling is there is really important because a lot of times that we will just try to fight that feeling or judge ourselves for having that feeling or get really frustrated. And that's just going to cause some more problems. It's yeah. going to...
1: Yeah, I call that fighting your reality. Mm-hmm. That. Folks, don't fight your reality. Yep. Surrender what God's allowed for you at that moment. Mm-hmm.
3: Exactly. Yeah. When we fight it, we're just adding more problems. So if we can just surrender acknowledging, yeah, I don't want this to be my reality, but this is what it is. And so I'm going to accept that I don't like this situation. Because once we do that, then we have more freedom to make a decision that we want to make if there's a decision that needs to be made. In that situation, you kind of need to decide, how am I going to handle this? or What am I going to do about this? Am I going to jump out of the car? Or am I going to surrender to this moment to trust in God who do I want to be in this moment and so then we can also address the physical components of that fear it's going to have effects on our body because we're going into fight flight or freeze mode Mm, so true Mm -hmm. we're detecting that threat we're trying to our mind is trying to protect us and the way that we can um just switch from that fight flight or freeze back to more of our rest stage is our breath So if we're able to take some deep breaths Mm -hmm. and really reset, that's going to be helpful. And it tends to be the most difficult thing as well, as simple as it sounds to actually let ourselves sit and take some deep breaths. We usually need at least five deep breaths takes a lot longer than we typically think. And so letting ourselves take some deep breaths, rest, be present to ourselves in that moment. And from that place deciding, okay, who do I want to be in this moment? And then that's where prayer is good. After all that, being able to say, okay, Jesus, come be with me in this. I'm going to, you know, yes. I'm gonna do this for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this for you. Or I need your strength to be here with oh, you yeah, me. Oh yeah,
1: me and the me and the Blessed Mother are tied in those moments. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord's with you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Trying to really focus on the good and the beautiful is one of the things that I do. You know, yeah. just the good and the beautiful. Absolutely. Um, and you know what? That's just almost all of our time. I hear the bumper music. Kelsey, will you come back on again whenever we have other topics that we'd like to explore? I'd really like to have you on, kind of. More regularly than not
3: Absolutely All right
1: Well thank you for joining us today On Red Sea Roundup At KEDC Domestic What Religious education For the domestic church And until next time Go and love your neighbor